we want to I want to challenge I want to issue a challenge this morning. I want to issue a challenge this morning. I want to I want to use I want to use three verses of scripture. And I want I want you to tell me if you can figure out a way to connect them all. The first verse that I'd like to look use is Malachi chapter That's one of those little books in the back of the Bible that Amy and I used to say that our Bibles don't have. Now, if you don't don't think your Bible has it, it is the very last book in the Old Testament, and those are hard to find. Um, If you're using a phone or an iPad, congratulations, it's a lot easier. (laughs) Malachi chapter 4, and I'm going to read verse 1. says this, For behold... The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall not leave them neither root nor branch. Okay, that's your first verse. Now, remember, I want you to try to connect all of these in your in, in, a, in a cogent doctrine. Okay? The next one that I would like to refer you to is very familiar. Luke chapter 23, verse 43. Jesus speaking to the thief on the cross. Verily, I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So, we're connecting that verse, this verse in Luke 23, and the next verse is over in the book of Acts, in the second chapter of the book of Acts, and um, we're going to go, I believe it's to the 34th verse, but let let me go over here and find it for sure. Yes, here's your next verse. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand. Now the only, the only important part of that verse is the very first part, where the, where the writer says, For David is not ascended into the heavens. Now, now that's the end of our challenge. So we've got Malachi 4.1, we've got Luke 23.43, and we've got Acts 2 and 34. Now, if I ask you to put together some, some sort of cogent doctrine using those three verses, could you do it? Anybody? Possible, yeah. Here's the doctrine that, that they use, and these are some of the, the key verses that they use to defend it. Let me ask the question. What happens when a person dies? Their soul goes to heaven. Any, does anybody disagree? Heaven or hell. Or hell. Heaven or hell, right? 
Everybody agree with that? Brother Hogue, you agree with that? Yeah. I agree with that because I think that's what the Bible teaches. It's okay. Let me present it. Well, let me present a doctrine to you this morning. We'll start with Luke twenty three forty three. Death, right? Death passes upon all men. That's what the Bible says. And so here you have in Luke 23, 43, you have the thief on the cross who's crucified by Jesus, but Jesus looks at him and says, This day thou wilt be, me, be with me in paradise. But he's physically dead, right? Next, let's jump to Acts 2 and 34. For David is not yet ascended into the heavens. If David is not ascended into the heavens, then where is he? In the grave, right? Soul, they put this doctrine puts the soul and the body in the grave. Does anybody see a problem with that? Keep that question, keep that in your mind. We're going to come back to it. The next one is at judgment. Now let's 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 pull Malachi back into it. And at judgment, this I just want you to understand, there's some wackadoo things that gets taught in the world. Right? Crazy things. They use this verse in Malachi chapter 4 to argue that at the judgment, the wicked are not cast into hell. They are annihilated. That is the doctrine of annihilationism. That there is no hell. And honestly, to be truthfully honest about it, there is no heaven. Nobody ascends to heaven to be with God. In, in a, in a, they, get a, they get a new fleshly body in this doctrine, but they don't get the spiritual body like Christ has, even though John says that we shall be like Him, right? They give them a new fleshly body. To point to that, they go to Job, who said, when, and, they, and they misquote where Job said, Yet in my flesh I shall see him. Right? And so this is what they point at. So I want us to look at this doctrine today, and I want us to consider this. Because I believe that a person, when they are stand before God at the judgment, right? And we studied about the wheat, the, the, the wheat and the tares today. Uh, and, uh, and, and what did it say about the tares? They would be cast off into the fire, and it said, and there shall be weep, uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth, right? And I believe that that is a, a scriptural teaching. I believe that when the wicked stand before God on the day of judgment, on the left hand of God, and he looks at them and says, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, that that fire literally means a fire without end. That it doesn't mean they end in ashes. So, let's start here at the death. Let's start at the beginning and we'll work our way through. Jesus said unto him, the thief on the cross, Verily I say unto thee, 
Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now, the word that matters the most in this verse of Scripture is today. Right? Because the doctrine that a lot of people are believing in the world today, and I've heard this doctrine preached on the radio. There are so many people online that believe this doctrine that finally I just got fed up with it and I just started throwing down. <laughs> and and uh, not, in a, not in, a, in a cocky way, but in just laying down the truth of the Scriptures, what the Bible teaches. This word that is translated today, it means literally on this, uh, on, and, and then in parentheses in Strong's it says, that is this Day, right? On this very day, Jesus is telling the thief on the cross that on this very day, this day, the day that you're dying, you will be with me in paradise. Now that doesn't mean some place other than heaven. Eden is compared to heaven. Heaven is paradise regained. Eden is paradise lost because man sinned in the grave. The only reason that this man hanging on the cross was given the ability to enter into paradise is because while he stood, hung there on the cross, he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, be merciful. Remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom. Now, I want to tell you something. This thief that hung on the cross, when he said, Lord, remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom, I want to tell you something. On that topic, he was wiser than the apostles at that time. He was dying. And Jesus hung right beside him, dying. And he looks at Jesus and he says, Remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom. Well, he wasn't thinking about reaping the rewards of a temporal kingdom, was he? Well, when you find yourself nailed to a cross and in agony and you know you're dying and you look at a man and say, Remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom. You're not thinking about, I'm going to reap the rewards and the spoils of an earthly kingdom. That's not what he's saying, is it? He's saying, Lord, your kingdom is spiritual and I know it is and you remember me when you enter into it. And Jesus through the account of Luke, looked at him and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Not, not at some distant point in the future. Say, if Luke, here's, the, here's, the, here's the way you look at it. If Luke used the word that is translated meaning on this very day, and it didn't occur, Luke is the only one of the synoptic gospels that recounts this within it. If Luke's wrong, then Luke lied in his account and that, the, and that means it can't be inspired because God does not lie. And, and if Luke is wrong and, and he's going to misquote Jesus Christ in such an egregious fashion just to say that Jesus looked at that man and lied to him and told him that, uh, that he looked at him and said, this day, today or this very day you will be with me in paradise. If, if Jesus is going to 
look at that man and say that to him, and it ain't true, it not only calls into question Luke, but it makes Christ called into question because he told that man that was not something that was not true. Does anybody want to subscribe to that? Because what they say is when he said that, he's referring to the resurrection. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. That does not square. That does not square with the Word of God, does it? If you're here today and you're lost, you better understand this one thing. God created you outwardly first, and then He breathed into the nostrils the breath of life. And we're going to touch on that in a minute. And the Scriptures tell us that man became a living soul. And the, and the Scriptures refer to man time and time and time again as inward an inward being and an outward being. Soul and body. Right? Now there's some people that believe in the three part, and I believe you can work that in, but it doesn't occur until the indwelling Holy Spirit takes up residence. Then I guess you can make an argument that it's three parts. But man and man of himself is two parts. But it's one whole. Right? It's one whole. You can't say that Jesus looked at this man and said, Today, this very day, you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't have to be baptized either, did he, to be saved? That's what the Church of Christ believes. You've got to be baptized to be saved. Catholics believe that child's got to be baptized and the infant's got to be baptized. That way, if some calamity befalls it, it's baptized, it's saved. And that's not how we get saved, folks. We get saved through repentance toward God because He's the offended party and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we don't show remorse to God that we're, that we're sorrowful, that we're a sinner, then we deserve what we get, don't we? We deserve what we get. So let's take that and, and let's go now to that book of Acts. Let's go to the book of Acts of the Apostles. And, uh, and this one's going to be a little, this one's going to be, I think this one's really interesting here. Thirty-fourth verse, for David has not ascended into the heavens... But he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. That's the 35th verse. Now what they teach in regards to that man who died on the cross, and they, and they extrapolate that out to every person that's died, obviously opposite with, with, the, with the exception of Enoch and Elijah, they can't really give an account of what of that. They believe that the soul of that man lies in the body until the day of the resurrection. Now I can see the point, right? If you don't believe that God, that man has a soul, 
an immortal soul, and that when you die, that that soul in that body is parted, right? And that that soul goes to God who gave it, and that body goes to the dust from which it came. I guess I can understand that thought, that line of, th- of thinking. But what we do know is what, the, is what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 12.7, right? In Ecclesiastes 12.7, let's just go over there because I don't want to misquote it. I don't want to misquote it because I think this is important. I don't want anybody to get out there, get into a conversation um, with people who believe in this doctrine and, and then get twisted up and get tangled up and, uh, and end up accidentally agreeing with it because it's so egregiously incorrect. Ecclesiastes 12.7 Then shall the dust return to the earth which it was. Right? And the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. They call that spirit, which the word that is translated as, uh, as spirit, it literally does mean breath. Literally. Is everything in the Bible to be interpreted in a literal fashion? Is everything is every word in the Bible to be interpreted literal? No. It uses allegories, right? It uses metaphors. It uses figurative speech. It uses a whole gamut of the types of speech that man has. And so, um, and so, if you look up this word that is translated "spirit" here, and "pneuma" is what it is in the Greek, and it means basically the same thing, you'll find out that both of those words translated literally mean breath, but translated abstractly translated metaphorically translated figuratively they mean soul or spirit right not just breath not breath uh, in and of itself but the soul and and so that's where this argument falls down at is because they take this word, they go to their they go to their dictionary, they look up the Hebrew word, they look up the Greek word, and they say, Oh, this word just means breath. So when you when you draw your last breath, you're dead. Folks, God is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, He is the God of the living. Amen? Amen. He's the God of the living. And they take these verses so far out of context, it's just crazy. So let's get back. David is David is not yet ascended into the heavens, right? David is not yet ascended into the heavens, and that obviously is having reference to his physical body because it has not been resurrected yet. Uh, but what they try to say, the way they interpret this verse of Scripture... For David is not ascended into the heavens, listen to what they say, but he saith. Now, I want to ask you a question. If he's dead, how is he talking? (laughs) Now, I want you to remember the word but here because it's going to come back into play. And and Lily and Avery, we love watching uh, Schoolhouse Rock on uh, Amazon Prime. Has anybody ever watched Schoolhouse Rock? Surely somebody of my age has watched Schoolhouse Rock growing up. They put all these cute songs. Anybody ever seen the video where it goes, I'm just a bill? Right? That's a Schoolhouse Rock song. Sitting here on Capitol Hill. 
That's a schoolhouse rock song. Folks, look at this word here. I'm glad Brother Williams wanted to make sure he knew he'd seen it. <laughs> David is not ascended in the heavens, but, but... Now, there is a school of rock song that determined, that, that explains this perfectly. Conjunction, junction. If you want to go watch it, you can go find it on the internet. Conjunction, junction, watch your function, right? It's going to connect that first part to that second part. But he saith himself. Now, is it possible that he said it when he was dead and buried? You ever heard anybody dead and buried come back and give a prophecy of Christ? I don't think so. He's quoting the 110th Psalm. And he is arguing the lordship of Jesus Christ with this verse of Scripture. Because David, when he was king in Israel, he pinned that psalm down. My Lord, Jehovah, saith unto my Lord, or the Lord of my Lord, Jehovah saith unto Adonai, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. And where do we find Jesus Christ seated today on the throne in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, exalted for all the world to see. And if you're here today and you're lost and you don't know Christ, that's the only Christ that you're going to get saved by is the one that died on Calvary's cross, the one who was planted in a tomb, but his soul went back to home because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Uh, we could go and touch on that verse of scripture as well um, and thou would not suffer thine holy one to see corruption his soul went back home while the body laid in the grave for three days because if it laid for four it would see corruption or it would start to corrupt it would start to rot it would start to decompose and decay and you say well how do you know that if you had only been here, he would have lived. But he has been lying in the grave for four days now, Lord, and he stinketh. No, Lazarus will live again. Yes, I know he'll live again in the resurrection. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Lazarus, come forth. Folks, David was alive and well when he wrote the 110th Psalm. I've got news for you. He wasn't in the grave. And yeah, his body is still laying in a grave, but his soul went home to be with the Lord to God who gave it. See, they don't, they don't acknowledge the immortality of the soul, that God created the inward man immortal. And that's how the inward man can be cast off into outer darkness where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth uh, cast into the lake of fire. That fire, by the way, is not the one that we think of in our minds. It probably it doesn't give off any light. It's black. I don't believe it gives off any light at all. There's no light to be found in hell. Man uses fire for the light, doesn't he? That's why the candelabra was there in the in the in the in the in the 
tabernacle and in the temple for the light that it gave off. Let's, let's wrap this puppy up. Let's wrap this puppy up. Let's go over here and let's finish up where we started. In Malachi. Malachi 4.1 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. Now they take this verse of Scripture and they run to 2 Peter. Folks, let me tell you, you can't take a verse of Scripture if it's connected to something else, you can't pretend like it's not. Right? You, you can't do that. What, they, what the people that support this doctrine do is they like to pick and choose their verses. They pick one here that fits their doctrine, and they run over here. Oh, I found one over here. I'll take that one off the shelf. It's like they're shopping at Walmart. Then they go over here. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I found another one here that fits into it. And yeah, here, let's put it here. And then when you point out that everything surrounding that verse doesn't fit within the realm of their doctrine, then they say, well, oh yeah, but what about this one? that I found over here it was up high on the shelf and I had to get somebody to get it down for me what about this one and when you keep pointing out time and time again that everything that they have surrounding that verse of scripture is antithetical to what they believe they don't want to accept that they believe in a false doctrine So Malachi says that that day shall burn as an oven. And Second Peter said, yeah, the world will melt with a fervent heat. The elements will melt with a fervent heat. But remember what we said about Acts. Conjunction, junction, watch your function. It hooks one thing to another. It's like a coupler on a train, isn't it, Brother Williams? And Brother Williams knows about trains, let me tell you. <laughs> all and all, listen to this. This is connected to it, and that's a conjunction. That means we're going to keep on going. This thing's connected to it. And all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. Now, what's God think about the proud? Six things the Lord hates, right? Seven are an abomination. The very first one's a proud look. Folks, if you believe in a false doctrine, it gets pointed out. And you're so bound up in pride that you can't admit that it's a false doctrine. That's a problem, isn't it? And so the pride, the proud are included in the wicked, aren't they? They are the they are they are part of the wicked. And they and listen to this, it says they shall be stubble. Now this is where they say that at the at the resurrection, right? When God looks at those on the right hand and says, "Come ye blessed of my Father and inherit the kingdom that is created that has been, been been created for you," right? And I may not have got every bit of that exactly correct, but we can go over and find it if we need be. Then he looks at those on the left and says, Depart from me, you curse, and everlasting fire. What they teach is when he throws them out in that lake of fire, boom, they don't exist anymore. That's the annihilation part. They use this verse of Scripture, and they say, Look, they're going to be stubble. 
No, they shall be stubble. And it says, remember now, uh, it says, And they shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Right? And they say that root is Satan, and that Satan's destroyed in the lake of fire. But I said, how's that possible? Because Satan's an angel, and he's created with immortality, so how can he be all of a sudden destroyed? I said, now I grant that with God anything is possible, but God created him not to die. And he created hell specifically for Satan for eternity. Not just for Satan only, for those angels that followed after him too, right? And so doesn't that mean that the children of Satan will be with their father where he is in everlasting darkness, uh, burning for eternity in torment? Of course it does. But not according to them. They're ashes. They're destroyed. This is bananas theology, by the way. But I cannot believe how many people believe this stuff. Now, remember what we said. Conjunction, junction, watch your function, right? What's the first word in that next verse? But, uh-oh, uh-oh, now we're in trouble, aren't we? Now our theology's in trouble. Because this next verse is connected to that first verse. And when I pointed out that this is Jerusalem that's going to burn as an oven in the day of the Lord when those proud hearers would not turn to him and repent of their sins but but would just keep on going on and going on, right? That they would go that they were the ones that were going to experience this. They said, "No, no, 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 no. No, no. This is the second coming." Oh, really? Conjunction junction. Watch your function. Oh, to connect it, right? Let's look at that second verse. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Is Jesus coming back with healing in his wings? I don't think so. I believe Jesus is coming back to judge the world in righteousness and that he is going to pour out his wrath without mixture on all of those that have not heeded the gospel of Christ, of God. And ye shall go forth. Oh, this one was good. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall. I said, well, here, I, I got a question. I said, if they're going, I said, if this is at the last, if, if this is at the judgment, where are they going forth to? The guy said, oh, they go forth and the others burn. I was like, no, 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 no. The question is, where do they go forth to? out of Jerusalem into the four corners of the earth to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to proclaim that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God. Amen. Folks, I want you to be really clear. And if there's anybody that's here that's lost, I want you to be really clear. Annihilation, that would be preferable to what you'll experience throughout all eternity if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ. It just would. Because what you're going to experience is the wrath of God 
for eternity. That's it. What am I saved from? What is there to be saved from? Are you kidding me? There is a, a, a there is a hell to shun and there is a heaven to gain. Yeah, there is a, a the, there is a wrath that is to flee from because it's coming. And I, as I look around, I think it's getting closer every day. That's not putting a timetable on it, though, because no man knoweth save the Father. That's my message this morning. Remember this. When you were getting confronted with some of these doctrines, take it to the Word. And if, and if the Bible says it's wrong, then, brother, it's wrong. If you're here today and you're lost, there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. There's only one plan of salvation. There is not a plurality of plans of salvation. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life And if you're going to be saved, you're going to go to the Father through Him and you're going to repent of your sins because God finds them. God's the offended party. You better better be remorseful for it. That's what repentance means. To show remorse and regret. Think differently. But you've got to seek him while he may be found, because that is coming when no man shall find him. Seek him while it's day. That's our message this morning. Brother Williams, if you've got a song prepared or chosen.